Good morning. Peace be with you. I am sorry I'm late. I, uh, I just heard some amazing news. I, can, I sh- can I share it? Can, can you tell it? Yeah, come here and I'll... No, I'll, I'll just stand next to you and you can... Here. I'm sorry, I was sharing something faster. You all remember about my sis. Yes. My sis. Well, when I was in spring training with my, fam- my brother and my brother from another mother, <laughs> it's a joke on that. They've been friends since high school. But anyway... <laughs> Um, I received a call from the Legacy Foundation, which is the place that takes the donations for tissues, bodies, whatever, you know, parts. And they had a letter from the gentleman that received Bev's tissue. And you're like, holy, whoa. Of course, I started crying. My brother's going, what's wrong, what's wrong? I go, just give me a hug. Just give me a hug, and I'll tell you when I settle down. So they both gave me a hug, and I says, they received a letter from the gentleman who received Bev's tissue. And they wanted to send it to us. So I said, sure, go ahead. It would be nice. So we got home Wednesday, Thursday, I got it in the mail. And my brother and I, I was still on a little vacation. And my brother was leaving. He came back in and he goes, you got the letter. Because I'm standing there bawling. And it was from a gentleman who was a 27-year Army veteran who had some, some type of injury in his lower back. And... After they did the procedure, the, he was now able to go and visit his grandchildren, 11 grandchildren throughout the United States. If you all remember, Bev was, Bev's injury was about, or excuse me, our family is Army. My brother's a Vietnam vet. My dad was World War II. Um, my nephew's in the Army now. And Bev's injury started with a lower back. And Bev was all about kids because she taught preschool for over 35 years. What a blessing. Amen. Amen. So that's why I was late. And praise God. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, Lou, that, that's just amazing. And uh, plus she just got back from spring training, so I'm a little, a little color me jealous on that one. Uh, but yeah, that's, that is so wonderful. And so thank you and for sharing that. We have... Um, some more announcements. Uh, this is um, our missionary Sunday. The jar is out there in the narthex. I want to remind you of that. We have uh, the Praise Symphony coming on April the 14th at 6.30 p.m. right here. That is Palm Sunday. And I was going to bring a microphone and say, Liz, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? And I'll bet you glad I didn't. But you know, it's going to be beautiful, and last year they came and visited us, right? And, and it is, was a blessing. So please come. Please tell your friends. Please point people to our website. And um, we have some real marketing pros here. They were, <laughs> well, he'll go, <laughs> but he's very, very good. And we're actually, if you look inside your bulletin, calling on other people that have artistic ability and or marketing ability or ideas, thoughts, everyone. And that is that we are considering uh, updating uh, our, uh, well, this one here is for our, um, our directory, so we could use help on that. We're also considering uh, updating our uh, logo. And so you'd say, well, why would we do that? Well, you know, why not? would be a good question too. 
not to be a smart aleck, but just to maybe if there's something out there that, that as a group we like better, it might be pleasing to the eye. Um, that is something we are in a, in a process of seeing what we can do to change things up and maybe have more people notice us and come and find out what we are all about here. And we are not changing the DNA of this church because we preach, we proclaim Christ and him crucified. So I just want to make sure that you know that. So if we have anyone that has logo ideas, ever done any kind of graphic design, we'd love to have you come by and put your two cents in. Our Lenten dinners uh, have been, uh, I think, you know, very well attended and, and a lot of fun. Anyone, who's been to them so far? Will you raise your hands? You worthwhile? Yeah, okay. Yeah, good. Well, please come. And if you haven't, it's not too late. Come and, come and visit with us. We, um, what are our other uh, praise, Bible studies? I was told that uh, I should in the future bring people up for temple talks if they're in charge of something and have them come and speak. Is there anyone that is in charge of something that I haven't mentioned that would like to speak right now? If not, oh, Karen. We need lilies, Karen says. By the 19th. On the 19th. Okay, and also Karen um, spearheaded uh, this last Thursday, and I understand it was wonderful, uh, a speaker that came in and, and um, really educated the folks on uh, Alzheimer's, dementia 101, basically, wasn't it? And um, the gentleman came, uh, it was the lady, there was a gentleman that was going to come, there was a little bit of a mix-up, it started a little bit later, but... God always makes things better, and the woman he sent was a real blessing, and if you were there, could you raise your hand? I don't want to embarrass anybody, but, and, and it was good. It was very good from what I hear, and these are the kind of things that we have individuals in this, this community of ours, this congregation, that are helping to add value to our neighbors in order to get people to come to meet us and to hear Christ and him crucified. Amen? All right. Oh, one more thing. The, 20, the 25th of April is another one. And legal? Trusts and finance. Okay, so on the 25th of April, trusts and finance. Yes, sir. Oh, the bowl is not out there for money. The jar is out there. Yeah, it's right in the middle by the blanket. Okay. So, yeah, the, 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 the jar, the donation jar is out there right in the middle by the blankets. Anything else? Let's get started. Why don't you stand? Our opening hymn is found on page 520. Give to our God immortal praise.
name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God will save Let us confess our sins to God our Father, most merciful God. We confess the our servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the
The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, your mercies are new every morning. And though we deserve only punishment, you receive us as your children and provide for all our needs of body and soul. Grant that we may heartily acknowledge your merciful goodness, give thanks for all your benefits, and serve you in willing obedience. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. Our first reading this morning is from Isaiah chapter 12, verses 1 through 6. You can find it on page 1078 in your Bible. Isaiah 12, 1 through 6. In that day you will say, I will praise you, Lord. Although you were angry with me, your anger has turned away, and you have comforted me. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. In that day you will say, give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, and make known among the nations what he has done, and proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for he has done glorious things. Let this be known to all the world. Shout aloud and sing for joy, people of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel among you. We will read Psalm 32, verses 1 through 11 responsively. You can find it in your bulletin. Psalm 32. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silence, silence, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you my loving eye on you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in the heart. The epistle is from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through 
chapter 21, and you can find it on page 1799 in your pew Bible. 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 21. So, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. gospel reading this morning is from St. Luke, chapter 15, verses 1 through 3 and 11 through 32, and can be found in the Pew Bible on page 1623. Luke 15, 1 through 3 and 11 through 32. Glory to you, O Lord. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And then Jesus told them this parable. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons, The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had and set off for a distant country where he squandered his wealth in wild living. And after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to be filled, to have his stomach filled with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. And I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven 
and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And so he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son and he threw his arms around him and he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. And when he came near the house, he heard the music and saw the dancing. So he called one of his servants and asked him, what is going on? Your brother has come. Your brother has come. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back, safe and sound. And the older brother became angry, and he refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all of these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when, his son, when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate. We had to be glad. Because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost, but now he is found. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Some time ago, I rediscovered a theologian and I'd mentioned his name before, his name's uh, Chad Bird, and he's wonderfully gifted. And he has a description, and he has a name for it in, in uh, Hebrew, and I, I can't pronounce it. Maybe someday I'll ask him, and we'll work on it so I can, but it's, the meaning is this, is it's to take Scripture and to shake it and to pour it out. So imagine, you know, 
popcorn or anything in a bowl with a lid on it, and you're shaking it up, and you pour it out. That's what the rabbis, that's what that word in Hebrew would mean, would say. Take it and shake it out, and then look at it and see what it says. I like that, because I shake stuff up all the time, and I drop it, and I have boys, and they've grown up, and there's always a mess, and I don't look at this as making a mess of the word. I look at it as breaking it down to little bitty parts. We hear that all the time. When faced with a huge obstacle, Tim was talking this morning to me about that, a huge obstacle, a lot of times people look at it and go, what am I going to do? And also you've heard the, the term of if you're tasked to eat an elephant, you start that task one bite at a time. And that's what we're going to do with Scripture this morning. In Isaiah, we see this morning some words that I want you to go home and, and read and underline in your Bibles. In Isaiah this uh, particular chapter of chapter 12, Isaiah is predicting the defeat of the Assyrian army, which is coming to absolutely whoop on God's people. And they were formidable. And so in this chapter 12, he changes from warnings and he talks of grace, he talks of praise, he talks of victory. It is said that this is a song of praise, chapter 12. 1 through 6, that God put on Isaiah's lips a song of praise, not even just that, one of hymns in the songbook of heaven that we all will get to sing together one day when all things are made new again. Does that make you want to read it? I hope so. Go home and look at it after the service. Go home, chapter 12, verses 1 through 6, and take a look at these words that I shook out that you don't really have to shake out. They're right there, but I highlighted them, and here they are. In that scripture, you will see the first word that pops out at me, comforted. You comforted me. But just before that, it says, although you were angry with me, your anger has turned away, and you comforted me. God comforts his people, his children, his sons and daughters. Next word that pops out is strength. Not my strength, his strength. Strengthens me. And another word that comes out is salvation. God is comfort, strength, and salvation. Shake it out some more. You will find with joy I will draw Water from the wells of salvation. Wells of salvation. What does that sound like? Starts with a B and ends with an aptism. And Isaiah. And lastly, it exhorts us to give praise to the Lord. Proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he has done and proclaim that his name is exalted. Does that sound like the Great Commission a little bit? And then there's the promise where he says, shout out loud and sing for joy, people of Zion. That's the chosen people. God's been rescuing you guys 
since the very beginning. People of Zion, we'll get to it in a little bit, but in the prodigal son, that older son's angry. I have obeyed all your laws and you haven't given me a thing. He is representative of the Pharisees. He's the representative of the chosen people and they're mad because God is showing favor to a little brother who is a ne'er-do-well. We'll get back to that. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 16 through 21. This is where in this sermon and this, this lectionary series, the gospel truths pop out. I think the most beautiful one I see here is for our sake, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You heard that? You heard that in the absolution? By his authority, for his son's sake, he declares you and all of your sins forgiven. You are forgiven. Did you hear that? That's what he does for you and for me. Time after time after time. So the prodigal son, here we go. Yet another story about a man and two sons. Boy, there's a whole bunch of them in the, in the, in the Bible, isn't there? A man and two sons. And have you noticed that our God does things a little differently than we do when, when we, we talk about hierarchy and sons and so forth? So usually uh, in maybe, well, in most cultures, the oldest son ranks in, in importance and honor. Does he not? The first one? Oh, that's my, my first son. He usually, in, in, that's the one that gets the inheritance, or at least in, in, in times before now and in the United States, uh, you know, where usually, I guess, people split an in inheritance if there is one. But uh, the oldest is usually the favored one. The oldest is usually, you know, that, whoa, that's my boy. But not in this story. Not in this story. In fact, God uses the youngest son, the little brother, often, almost always, to show his will, to show his nature. Let me remind you of a couple of sons and little, you know, uh, brothers, and the little brother is used powerfully. We got Cain and Abel. We got Jacob and Esau. We got Joseph, little brother, and his brothers. We got Moses and Aaron, we have David and his brothers. The little brother is used powerfully to show God's will. And in this story, it's no different. We hear that this little brother goes to a distant land after unusually asking his father for his inheritance. That just wasn't done in the culture. It was done after the father had passed away. It was a shameful act that he did. I mean, this was bad. This is sin against heaven and the father. This is horrible. And he went to a distant land. He, if you will, exiled himself. It was a self-exile. Unlike Joseph, who was exiled by his brothers, 
this guy decided I had enough of it is enough, and in a pasture, I'm going to the other side of the fence because it's greener over there. Let's see what goes on. He's also different than Jacob because Jacob, uh, well, Jacob was just trying to keep breathing in this world after all that he had done to Esau. So this little bugger decides he knows best, and he's going out, and he's going to make a name for himself. He's going to get away from the hicks and the people that just aren't with it, and I'm going to go do my thing. What a sinner. You ever run into anybody in life that acted like that? You're looking at one, but... um, You're looking at one. So here's what happens. He goes off to a faraway place, we know. And isn't it interesting that God uses trouble, or air quotation, stuff, to bring us back. God uses extremes to bring us back to where he wants us to be. Perhaps where we should have been the entire time, but in our own knowledge, we decide we're going to go somewhere else. There's the flaw in God is my co-pilot, right? God doesn't even want you up in the cockpit, right? But oftentimes we're flying the plane, and the Holy Spirit says, I wouldn't turn that direction, and yet we'll do it. And he lets us. And in his mercy, God uses trouble. He does this why. Why does he do this? Why does he allow trouble to come into our lives? Why does he let pain come into our lives to bring us back to him? Why? Well, I don't know. But it could be in order to show that he cares to show and demonstrate his care, to show and demonstrate his concern, to show and demonstrate his protection, to show and demonstrate his his love for you and for me. And in this story, God uses famine. Man, that, I mean, that'd get my attention too. I need to eat. So he uses famine And he uses it here, and we hear that the boy comes to his senses, much like anyone who has big trouble, stuff, extreme stuff happens when we come to our senses. And not unlike myself, maybe you've done this before, have you ever rehearsed an apology? (laughs) I have. Rehearsed an apology. And he does. He goes, I know what I'll do. I'll tell my dad that I sinned against heaven and him. And then I'll tell him, I don't deserve to be your son. And and, and that'll probably, you know, that'll get him. At least you'll let me in the door, you know. And I won't even ask for anything more. I'll just say, hey, just let me, I don't know, sweep. Can you relate to that? Maybe you have somebody that you love and know that's obviously rehearsed an apology. My little Graham didn't speak. My little Graham knew American Sign Language. He knew how to apologize. There's a sign language in, in, uh, for American Sign Language, and it looks like a circle over your heart. You go like this. 
And if he did something naughty, I would say something like stop, which is like a karate chop. You know, stop, no, like I'm pinching, no. I said, you, you say you're sorry. And he'd go. Pretty expressive, right? He wasn't really sorry. But his father said, you better say you're sorry. No, I'm sorry. I'll show you. Sorry. And, and, and we do the same thing. We do. So he rehearses his apology. Now get this. The father runs out. I mean, to see, he's looking. I mean, the, it's been told to me and theologians would say, you know, generally speaking, a guy like the father who's, you know, pretty wealthy, isn't hanging out, leaning against the fence post, looking at the horizon, waiting for his kid that went out and really messed up to come home. I mean, it just isn't, that just doesn't happen. But this father did. Boy, imagine that. And not only that, he sees his son and he runs out and he just grabs him and he hugs him. Have you ever been grabbed and hugged like that? Have you ever grabbed and hugged somebody like that? Have you ever been so happy or had someone so happy to see you that they, they, just, they, they buried their nose and their eyes right against your neck and you could feel their tears on your neck? Have you ever done that? Well, that's what this dad did to this son. Before the son could ever say, dear father, I'm, wait a minute, I sin against heaven and you, uh, you know, he didn't let him get that out, really, before he reconciled that son to him. He, he ran to that son. He held him. He hugged him. He restored him right on the spot. He told his servants to get the ring, to get the robe, to get the sandals, to kill the calf. We're going to party. My son is back. The father, it would seem, had forgiven that boy before he even saw him. He didn't rehearse it. That was a natural reaction. Some words to shake out of this, out of this story that describe this father's love. Audacious love. Prodigal love. Prodigal means spending without regard of cost. The father, prodigal father, ran. He saw. He felt. He embraced. And he kissed that son. These are the nature, this is the nature of our father. To you. Do you know that before you were born, God forgave you? Do you know that before you became a prodigal, he forgave you all of your sins? Why? For his son's sake. In your baptism, he claimed you as his child. And today, at his table, he's reaffirming your place at his table 
as a son, as a daughter, as one reconciled to him. You didn't have to rehearse anything. He knew you would be exactly as you are, and he's rejoicing right now. When he meets you at this table, imagine him holding you. Imagine this father kissing you, his tears coming onto your neck, tears of joy that flow from his eyes onto you because you are a son and a daughter that was once dead. But now you're alive. You were a son and a daughter that were lost, but are now found. You are his because of the one that knew no sin, knew no sin, but became sin on that cross for you and for me that we might have a spot with the Father that we don't start at the bottom of the totem pole. We are completely recon reconciled and we are his children, the king's kids. That's what Jesus has done for you. Come in a minute. The table's prepared. Because here is Jesus for you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Please stand.
let us now confess together our faith to the the words of the Nicene Creed found on page 3 of your bulletin. We believe in one God, the Father, Let us pray with confidence, knowing that regardless of what I've written or what you're thinking, the Holy Spirit within each and every one of us is translating actively, perfectly, for the Father's ears. Dear Lord, we gather today to praise your almighty and holy name as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and to give thanks for our many blessings, including the strength and honor of our diversified nation, the nearly limitless food supply we can enjoy, and scientific and medical advances unmatched in the world that can improve our lives if we use them wisely. We think we deserve all of the wonderful gifts you have provided us because we earn them. We have become misguided and proud, Holy Father and really deserve to be humbled by your hand, but we pray for a chance to change before you discipline us as you repeatedly did with your chosen people, the Israelites. We're sorry, Lord, that we don't always attribute our incredible blessings to you, nor do we honor your providence in our lives, nor attribute your saving grace to your son, Jesus, our Lord. We're comforted that you have already forgiven our sins through your son's sacrifice, but we often don't realize that we're sinning against you because we trust our brains rather than our hearts where your laws are written. Just like with Adam and Eve, Satan continues to convince us that our transgressions aren't really sins, but rather an alternative lifestyle. Please, Holy Spirit, help us to hear and trust our hearts when listening to our Holy Father 
and disregard Satan's voice in our minds. Almighty God, we have no excuse for the sins we commit against you, and we can't seem to stop. But we praise you for saving us anyway. We thank and praise you for our friends and families, for our church, for the United States of America, and the freedom we enjoy to openly worship you without government persecution. We also know our core beliefs are under social attack daily from individuals both inside and outside our government. And we pray for the Holy Spirit to open our eyes to Holy Scripture and our minds to understand your word so that we would not be confused or misled. Help us to remain faithful and not succumb to the pressures of political correctness. We thank you for the rain this winter that we have critically needed for several years and the snow that covered our mountain peaks with such beauty and tranquility and the marvelous whales and various sea creatures that have visited our nearby shorelines and now the magnificent palette of color that you have created in the blooming wildflowers throughout our surrounding hills and canyons. Thank you for reminding us that you are still here, even in the midst of all the trouble we bring upon ourselves in our daily lives. We also pray for those citizens suffering from floods and tornadoes in our Midwestern states. Please calm the weather and enable those harmed to recover. We ask for your continuous blessings and protection for our pastor, who works so hard in your holy name to lead us down your righteous path. Please tend to his health and ensure that he remains strong and steadfast as the spiritual leader of this small family of faithful Christians. Please provide job opportunities where there appears to be none for those seeking work, and sustain us and provide for us as you have promised in your word and have done throughout creation. We're sorry that it's so hard for us to trust, even when we know you have never failed us. We fail all the time, but still want to handle our own problems. We don't do that so well, and we surely are stubborn. We need your help, Lord, whether we realize it or not. We continue to pray for your divine wisdom for our governmental leaders in addressing the various crises we face today, whether it be uncontrolled migration, climate change, race relations, or intolerance. Please don't let us suffer too long under the weight of our own poor judgment and greed. Show us the way out, Lord. We pray for all those in our armed forces and we pray for your protection of all people in service to your purposes. Thank you especially for the gift of your Son, our eternal Savior, Jesus Christ, and our faith and knowledge that he is and was and forever will be. Finally, we now share with you our personal prayers spoken aloud or kept deep in our hearts. Into your hands, Lord, we commend ourselves, our families, and all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ, in whom we pray. Amen. Now may the peace of the Lord be with you all. Let us share the peace, and let's be a little shorter than usual on there because your pastor went too long today.
Will you please stand? Let us pray. Blessed are you, O Lord our God. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks. And then he gave it to his disciples saying, take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For we know that as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, that we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his triumphant coming again. Let us now pray the prayer that Jesus gave to us, the perfect prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The table has been prepared. The Father has given us his very best, he who knew no sin, to become sin for you and for I. I know that you have confessed, I've seen you confess Christ with your lips. And I know your hearts, 
and this table is prepared for you. It is a foretaste of the feast to come. It is a foretaste of that place at God's table, the king's table that is waiting for all who should believe, and that's you. You may be seated, and the ushers will bring you forward.
Will you please stand? I hope you do go home and uh, take your bulletin with you and look up that scripture and turn it upside down, shake it out, see if it says something to you. I hope you do that every week with God's word. And now the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and grant you his peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, amen. Our sending song is The Wonderful Cross.
Let us go in peace and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.